Q&A Holes Podcast presents The Sea Report for Friday, March 5th, 2021. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of The Sea Report, brought to you by QAholespodcast.com. I'm your host, Mr. C, and this is the news for Friday, March 5th. Thanks for tuning in, anyone who's joining me out there live on Twitch, and welcome, welcome, welcome to a Friday night edition of the Sea Report. Um, always fun to be hanging out with everybody on a Friday night here on Twitch with the Sea Report. So we do have a little bit of news. Uh, sorry we're running a little bit late today. I was like, it's already going to be midnight on the East Coast. We gotta get moving. Uh, but finally, you know, because then once news breaks, it breaks and <laughs> old news is old news, right? Anyways, okay, so let's see what we got coming up here first today. Oh, first things first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, well, it looks like we had a little bit of provocation coming from dear old daddy himself. So, I don't know. I have a feeling that between now and the next election cycle, the election, next election cycle is now, right? Um, we're going to start seeing a lot of, uh, you know, um, back and forth blowback between, uh, you know, some of these heavy hitters. But I really think that President Trump is going to take advantage of this moment to really destroy some of his political enemies. Um, you have to admit, and, and I think that you may see that is kind of a theme for tonight's C-Report. Is it retribution? Is it karma? Is it simply just time for some of these people to see their comeuppance. Well, I guess we'll see as time unfolds, but it seems that we had a letter or a uh, press release that came from Donald Trump. And uh, it says that in the press release, he referred to one of everyone's favorite antique rhinos, Carl Rove, as a pompous fool and a rhino of the highest order. Huh. I wonder what makes Carl Rove a rhino. You know, Carl Rove, Carl Rove. Where have I heard the name Carl Rove? Uh, I'm surprised I didn't pull up an image of the fool. You know, I think I tried to... But, um, I don't know. Every time I, I hear Carl Rove, I seem to think of this, like, really, like, raunchy kind of, like, tabloid magazine story involving him. And I guess, I guess in Washington, D.C., you referred to trade as a consultant, but it had to do with with Carl Rove and some some spicy Latin consultant named Ali Akbar. Ha, just kidding. He's definitely not Latin. 
No Latino could have an overbite like that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay. I like I shouldn't start so early on in the broadcast. Anyways, okay. So, um, okay. So l- let's go back to this letter. This is a press release from Donald Trump. Um, basically, he obliterates Mitch McConnell. And then, of course, he goes in on Karl Rove. Um, and this was released, what? I think late last night on the 3rd. Well, not last night, but late late at night on the 3rd. I apologize. Now, here's the thing. You remember how we were talking about, or maybe, maybe have mentioned, or maybe it was a different program, I don't know. But how once uh, President Trump had been successfully censored, and banned by social media, and then, of course, legacy media, uh, corporate news media, all that followed suit, you never heard from Donald Trump, you know? Like, you never, you never really, like, you don't see him in the news, you don't see him responding to his critics, you don't see him responding to, um, you know, his political enemies, you don't see him responding to news media people, you just don't see Donald Trump. You don't see him playing golf. I mean, we knew he was playing golf because, fortunately, people leaked photos of him playing golf or video or whatever, but, or, or you know, people talked about it, but, like... This is a good example. Trump dropped this press release on what? Wednesday night. Here it is. Or Thursday night. No, no, Wednesday night. And here it is Friday. And some of us are just barely hearing about it. You know, I knew about this. uh, I don't know. I just want to make sure I got to, you know, share it with you all, because I think um, in the upcoming election cycle, having a pulse on uh, our man in the corner, regardless of whether he's running or not, or if he is just being that coach or that cheerleader that we need, you know, as we move forward into territory where the American people themselves begin to take back their country instead of depending on politicians and lawyers whom we always thought had our best intentions in, in interests in heart, but didn't. He may, he, Donald Trump may just end up being the cheerleader that, you know, cheers us on, sports us on, and, um, and definitely ags on his enemies. So let's go ahead and take a look at what this press release said since it came out late in the evening on Wednesday evening. And the press did not report it, mind you. No one reported it. Uh, the, the same thing happened with his interview on Fox after his CPAC speech. You, I mean, and, and what have they done? They've also scrubbed his CPAC address off of YouTube. So unless you were watching it that day or unless you pay to subscribe, just kidding. No, you don't, you'll never get to see it. Like, it's non-existent, basically, because they don't want you to be able to see him, reference him, because to see the face of Orange Man Bad will embolden his base to cross the finish line and to hear the voice of that dictator will spur us on to the end. 
they are making sure it's a complete media blackout. So, you know, if I find anything on him speaking or being released, because also as he is basically still the president, I mean, hello, more of us voted for him out there than anyone ever. We're not going to concede to an illegitimate and uh, an illegitimate coup. Well, no, it's a legitimate coup. It's just an illegitimate presidency, and we're not going to concede to that. Like I said, respecting the office is one thing, but when you have a coup that took place in front of the eyes of 75 to 80 million Americans who are awake, I think it would be less of, uh, we would be less American to not say anything. So, you know, respect for the office is one thing, but this is not. Anyways, okay, so let's get to Donald Trump's statements that he released. Uh, okay, so it was released late Wednesday night. The letterhead says the 4th. So what? Donald Trump was up on a late night steamer. And he was like, all right, we're on a roll now. Let's go after Karl Rove and let's go after Mitch McConnell. All right, statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States. Let me blow this baby up for you. Karl Rove has been losing for years. This is Donald Trump, except for himself. <laughs> wow, what an opener. Karl Rove has been losing for years, except for himself. <laughs> He's probably been finding a lot of himself in recent years. Um, oh, oh, wait, wait. Did he find himself in the closet? Karl you have been finding yourself. He's a rhino, Republican in name only, of the highest order, who came to the Oval Office lobbying for 5G for him and a group. After a lengthy discussion with Rove and Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, I said, no, they're not qualified. Our nation can do much better. On election evening, November 3rd, at 10.30 p.m., Rove called to congratulate me on a great win. I said, thank you, Carl, only to watch the rigged election take its final form. Carl Rowe's voice on Fox is always negative for those who know how to win. He certainly hasn't helped Fox in the ratings department, has he? Wow, why is Trump taking such digs on Carl? Carl, oh, I wonder if it has anything to do with Carl's panty boy lover, you know, the Republican consultant. Ali Akbar, because um, Trump did say to make sure that you donate directly to him. And uh, word on the street and in federal affidavits are Ali Akbar hijacked a lot of money from the campaign by stealing the tr Women for Trump slogan and running his own scheme into his own personal bank account. All right, back to the um, letter here. Never had much of a feeling for Carl in that I disagreed with so many of the things he says. He's a pompous fool with a bad advice and always has an agenda. He ran the campaign for two senators in Georgia and did a rotten job with bad ads and concepts. Should have been an easy win, but he and his friend Mitch blew it with their $600 versus $2,000 proposal. Carl would be much more at home at the disastrous Lincoln Project. Whoa! I heard they have numerous openings. Dang! Okay, am I reading the right part of the letter? Because I heard that he went in on Carl last. 
<laughs> Dang. Okay. So here's this. Here's here's why this just just like this just blows it away for me. Um, the Lincoln Project is filled with a bunch of closeted homosexuals. <laughs> And one like um one like dried up fag hag. He just totally threw Carl he outed Carl. He totally outed Carl. Oh 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 sorry, Ollie. It sounds like Trump just ruined that blackmail you've been extorting Carl Rove with. Anyways, if the Republican Party is going to be successful, they're going to have to stop dealing with the likes of Carl Rove. And just let him float away <laughs> or retire like little Bob Corker, Jeff Flaky Flake, and others like Toomey of Pennsylvania, who will soon follow. Let's see what happens to Liz Cheney of Wyoming. Oh my goodness, that's not it, folks. He's not done yet. Okay. If it weren't for me, the White House would have lost 25 seats instead of gaining 15 true that true that it was a shock to everyone and almost cost pelosi her speaker position likewise eight to ten senators would have lost their position including carl's friend mitch our wonderful leader would who would rather spend his time fighting me than pelosi schumer and sleepy joe Let's call him illegitimate Joe. Come on. Come on, President Trump. Illegitimate Joe. It is the slogan of the year, but it'll never sell because, um, you know, Kamala Harris is going to be president probably (laughs) in the next couple of weeks. Anyways, in the last year's congressional primaries, 120 of the 122 candidates I endorsed won. And the two that lost were beaten by people claiming to be more Trump than their opponent, in the Senate, I was undefeated in primary endorsements with the record of 21-0 and 0, and close to that in the general election. 31 million people listened to my CPAC speech online, and it had among the largest television audience of the week. Even though it was on cable at 4 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Carl Rove is all talk and no action. Next time, Carl... Save your election night phone call and keep doing a great job for the Democrats. Fox should get rid of Karl Rove and his ridiculous whiteboard as soon as possible. Paid for by Save America and not authorized by any candidate for candidates committee. DonaldJTrump.com <laughs> The experience with Michael Aaron Kosteris is listener-supported. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to support future episodes. You can contribute directly at anchor.fm slash thexpodcast. Click on the support button and enter your card information for a secure donation. Choose your monthly donation, 99 cents to $9.99 a month. Every bit helps. Again, visit anchor.fm slash the X podcast spelled the T H E X podcast E X P O D C A S T and tell them Michael sent you. That what is going on here? Oh, hold on. 
Uh, why is this thing trying to give me a pro tip right in the middle of a broadcast? Okay, that's great. Classic Trump. Classic Trump. <laughs> Got to love Donald Trump. So, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I know Karl Rove has been like, what, a consultant on CNN and Fox or what have you for a while, but it's it's really interesting to see uh, an individual who you didn't hear too much about in the last election cycle, even though, of course, he was, you know, um, striking his influence where he could. But he called him right out. Like, you expect, you expect uh, to hear it from Trump about Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, even, you know, Adam Schiff. But like I said, an individual who who you don't see out in the forefront, in the spotlight, in front of the camera as much, um, that's very, very interesting. I think I think there is a lot more to develop from this story moving forward. And it's not just the election cycle. I can feel it in my bones. All right, let's see what's next up on the news. Oh! Texas, my Texas, my Texas. Sorry, guys, I am a Texan <laughs> before I'm an American. No, just kidding. That's just that's just that Texas pride thing that you always hear about. But uh, so what's going on with Texas? Okay, so apparently my governor, uh, Governor Abbott, um, has been on a roll this week. Um, not only did he announce that as of Wednesday next week, we will no longer be subjected to the muzzle mandate, the masks that we were imposed upon to wear. And uh, I, I'm going to go and hug every stranger I see on the street. I'm going to be like, hey, no more six feet. <laughs> um, but no, uh, uh, seriously, folks, though. No, just kidding. Um, so that was a great thing. I know, I know Mississippi undercut us. I know that they were all gangsta like that. But let's see if the governor of Mississippi has the wherewithal to go where Governor Abbott took us this week. Because Governor Abbott went from Lubbock all the way to east in Texas to the town city of Tyler, where he held a press conference with Senator Hughes in regard to big tech censorship in the state of Texas. I gotta hand it to you. Governor Abbott, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Jesus. I can't believe it. I am so happy to be in the state of Texas. So Senator Hughes is pushing forth a bill, legislation, that will basically do the job that our federal government failed to do in protecting the First Amendment, freedom of speech, and to stop the censorship of conservative voices, Republican voices, pro-Donald Trump voices, and any other voice that the left, the progressives, the Democrats, and the liberals just didn't want to hear that week. And uh, basically, the bill um, will allow the state of Texas to sue entities like Facebook and Twitter anytime that they impede our First Amendment right of free speech. Not only that, but it will also allow um, for those who have been censored, shadow banned, blocked, or banned to return to the airwaves lest they face 
some type of uh, some type of um, reprisal by the state of Texas. So for more on this, oh, there's the man himself, Governor Abbott. That's right, he's got you covered. <laughs> Governor Abbott of Texas, thank you, sir, for the hard work that you are doing. Uh, let's go ahead and listen in to some of this news conference. Uh, we'll just run a few minutes here to get a couple of points. Because I tell you, Governor Abbott was on a roll not only with the social media censorship discussion. He also has a little bit to say about President Biden and his job with the border and COVID-19. And we'll uh, play that a little bit later. But uh, let's hear what he has to say. Here he is in Tyler, Texas with Senator Hughes. Uh, at a press conference, our governor, Greg Abbott. You know, one thing that Senator Hughes fights for is Second Amendment rights. If you're seeing this... And, of course, you get to see a commercial. (laughs) Uh, This guy here is talking about the massive deaths in New York City. No, just kidding. Okay. ...to life, so many freedoms. Now he's stepping up, fighting for the First Amendment rights so that conservative speech will not be canceled in the state of Texas. We we need to recognize, in, in Texas, maybe in particular in Texas, we see that the First Amendment is under assault by these social media companies, and that is not going to be tolerated in Texas. There is a dangerous movement that is spreading across the country to try to silence conservative ideas, religious beliefs. We saw that first arise on college campuses. You may recall last session we passed and assigned into law the campus free speech law ensuring that conservative speech on campuses would not be silenced. Thank you for your leadership in that one also. But now we're all seeing the same, we are also seeing the same way that these social media tech companies are using their tools to silence conservative speech on their platforms. Senator Hughes's bill, Senate Bill 12, protects Texans from being wrongfully censored on social media, making sure that their voices are going to be heard and not canceled or, or silenced. Social media sites like Twitter, like Facebook, they are... They have evolved into the modern-day public square. These are the areas that used to be the courthouse square where people would come to talk. Now people are going to Facebook and Twitter to talk about their political ideas. And what Facebook and Twitter are doing, uh, they are uh, controlling the flow of information and sometimes denying the flow of information. And they are being uh, in the position where they are choosing which viewpoints are going to be allowed to be presented. Texas is taking a stand against big tech political censorship. We're not going to allow it in the Lone Star State. What Senator Hughes' legislation does is it prohibits social media companies from censoring Texans based upon Texans' viewpoints. It would also allow any Texan who has been canceled or censored or deplatformed to be able to file a lawsuit against Twitter, Facebook, or any of these other companies and make sure they are able to get back on so they can share their viewpoints so that we can have a robust conversation on all of these platforms about our political viewpoints. 
The United States of America was built on freedom of speech and healthy public debate. Big tech's efforts to silence conservative viewpoints is un-American, un-Texan, and it is unacceptable, and pretty soon it's going to be against the law in the state of Texas. Amen. I look forward to working with Senator Hughes on getting this law passed and signing it into law in the state of Texas at the end of the session. Now, with that said, we'll be happy to take a few questions from the media. All right. And then he does indeed take a few questions. Now, I found it kind of interesting. Um, there was maybe one, maybe two questions in regards to the tech censorship. A lot of COVID questions. Uh, here's a little bit more. Um, the volume of the uh, reporters was really low, so you won't be able to hear the question, but this was the response that he had uh, to a question the reporter was asking in regards to um, uh, how it was legal for the state of Texas to make a move like this. I guess this reporter doesn't pay attention to uh, federal news. I don't know. Section 230, sir. Hello, federal. It was a Patriot Act, 2012, Section 230. Go look it up, y'all. Uh, a, a tech company, per se, doesn't have to be licensed by the government. Just like there's 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 businesses here that may be in this building that are involved in tech. They don't have to be licensed uh, by the federal government. However, with regard to these social media platforms, there are laws concerning that. A law in particular is known as Section 230. And there are special protections provided to these social media platforms uh, that uh, we believe uh, the way the law is written, the protection does not keep them immune from the type of lawsuit that Senator Hughes's bill provides. And so we are making sure that these companies uh, will be forced to comply with Senator Hughes's bill to ensure that Texans' conservative speech will not be canceled. That's right. Yes, sir. So basically, um, Texas is reverting to the power of the state to ensure that uh, we will be able to have our First Amendment right of free speech when it comes to political talk. And uh, we will not be censored. So I guess it looks like at least for Q&A holes podcast dot com, you can look forward to seeing more of the C report in the future. And also good to note that uh, he will be um, um, uh, ensuring fighting for this legislation to pass by the end of the session. So a big thank you to Senator Hughes and Tyler Texas up there for fighting for First Amendment rights and ensuring that conservative speech will not be censored in the great state of Texas. All right, that takes us to a story on El Supreme Court. Now you know... When it's a story about the Supreme Court, eh, it's probably a 70-30 chance that you're going to probably want to throw whatever you have in your hand. At, but don't throw it at me, please. And, you know, just stand up and jump out of your seat. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is something that would probably make you feel that way. The Epic Times reports that the Supreme Court dismissed sanctuary city cases at the request of Biden's DOJ. It says the Supreme Court has dismissed three pending requests to hear challenges to the Trump administration 
um, order to withhold millions of dollars in law enforcement funds from so-called sanctuary jurisdictions, states and cities that refuse to cooperate with Department of Homeland Security efforts to deport people residing in the United States illegally. After a request from the Biden administration yesterday, the Supreme Court just dismissed three pending cert petitions, request to hear a case, about the Trump administration's efforts to withhold money from so-called sanctuary cities, the SCOTUS blog Twitter account noted. In 2017, President Donald Trump signed an executive order that called on U.S. agencies to withhold federal funds from sanctuary jurisdictions, many of which are governed by Democrats. Part of Trump's crackdown on illegal immigration, the order made federal money to state and local governments conditional upon giving their U.S. immigration officials access to their jails and advance notice when illegal immigrants were being released from custody. Lower courts were divided on whether the policy was lawful. After taking, Biden, um, after taking office, Biden rescinded Trump's 2017 executive order in uh, another course reversal by the new administration on various Trump policies that had been challenged in court and were heading to the Supreme Court for consideration. Given Biden's decision to revoke Trump's sanctuary city order, which effectively moots the association policies, the Department of Justice filed letters with the Supreme Court in all three related cases seeking their dismissal and noting an agreement had been made with the parties that were challenging Trump's actions. The three cases involved New York City, San Francisco, <clears throat> and various states, including California and New York, with lawyers representing the various jurisdictions in the three cases, saying they agreed with Biden's DOJ that the cases should be tossed. In a statement, New York Attorney General Letitia James expressed satisfaction with the move. I'm going to hold right there. Letitia James. So um, the more I read about Letitia James, the more <clears throat> it is apparent to me that this, um, I don't know, carnivorous cannibalism of the left in regards to killer Governor Cuomo is just that like they're literally he's literally a sacrificial offering and uh anyways <clears throat> letitia james is just the executor uh, i'm not gonna read she's satisfied with it i don't need to read what she has to say uh it says proponents of sanctuary city policies argue they improve public safety by increasing trust between immigrant communities and law enforcement while opponents say such policies pose a threat to public safety by making it more difficult to deport criminals who reside in the country illegally. Last month, the Supreme Court canceled oral arguments in two other cases after Biden changed course from Trump. Both were appeals by the Trump administration, one defending funding of the U.S.-Mexico border wall and the other defending the Remain in Mexico asylum policy. The administration also has asked the court to cancel an upcoming argument on a policy introduced under Trump backing work requirements for people who receive health care under the Medicaid program for the poor. So that's basically what I'm saying about, you know, you know, illegitimate Joe. He is just saying that ah, if Trump did that, reverse it. If Trump didn't do that, do it. You know, he's just doing the, and, and that's the way the media was running it also for the entire four years, which is why it was funny because if Trump had ever done something 
he I mean he played them a lot. He really he really could have played them even harder if he wanted to, I think. But um obviously uh and uh, but you know just because it, just because um you know um president select Biden is doing that. You know, it it does make it rather obvious that it, it there's no thought process involved in some of his decisions. It's just doing the opposite of what his political opponent did and it's it's very childish leadership. All right, let's see. But what more could you expect, right, from President Biden? Let's see who's next in the news. Oh, well, if it isn't the great state of Georgia. I hope I got the right flag. The guys will kill me if I didn't. Anyway, so <laughs> let me get that right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Georgia GOP leaders who stood up to Trump now back voting bills. Oh, would you look at that? Um, isn't it so convenient now that, oh, the, uh, the most, uh, the most door hinge election of all times is over when it would have made the most difference for you to do something about, uh, I don't know, the situation that was placed in your lap that you would do something, but no, it's, it's afterwards that counts in some places. Well, let's see what this article from Newsmax has to say. It says Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who denied then-President Donald Trump's claim of voter fraud in last fall's election. Uh, The two Republicans are now backing an effort prompted by Trump's claim to tighten voting laws. Hmm. So now Kemp and and Kemp, honestly, when all is said and done, he was making that kind of a face. <laughs> I'm leaving it on the screen. All right. Both men say they support Georgia Republicans' efforts to enact an ID requirement for absentee voting that would do away with the state's signature matching system, which Trump heavily attacked. Huh. I wonder what kind of matching system that was, Mr. Kemp. Was it maybe one that involved uh, digging through the garbage to get all the envelopes that you threw away? That system doesn't sound like it'd be too successful to me. Their positions illustrate how central tightening access to the ballot has become in the GOP agenda, embraced even among those who have publicly denied claims of fraud or stolen elections. But it also highlights the difficult politics for Republicans as they weigh how far to go to that end. While the bills being pushed in Georgia and several other states have the backing of a GOP base that embraces Trump, they also could stir up Democrat backlash, not to mention make it harder for GOP voters to cast ballots. I honestly think that it would be much easier for people like Kemp, who is most likely not going to be reelected, um, to just switch parties. Like, he should just switch parties. And, and at least the Democrats will, you know, embrace him for having opposed Trump, right? Then maybe he'll have, an, uh, uh, you know, a chance if he wants to stay in politics. But with a face like that, <laughs> where it's like, he's like, they told me to smile. <laughs> anyway. 
anyways, okay, that may mean jettisoning uh, or at least relaxing some of the proposals circulating in the Republican-run General Assembly, which includes scrapping an atomic voter registration law and, oh, sorry, atomic, an automatic voter registration law and banning early voting on Sundays, a move that appeared aimed at ending the souls-to-the-polls voter drive run by black churches. But the Republican leaders have been cautious about publicly opposing any individual measure. I think it should be easy to vote and hard to cheat. Can you really believe that that Governor Kemp said that? He thinks it should be easy to vote and hard to cheat. I guess that means that perhaps it was easy to cheat and hard to get all those fake ballots through? Is that what you're talking about, Governor Kemp? Oh my god! Okay, this guy's unreal. I feel for you people. Um, I think it should be I mean, after I'm sorry, after seeing the superb job that the governor of Texas is doing (laughs) to have to deal with a jagoff like this, and he's not even the worst. Whoops. Like this. Oh. Like this guy. That that one right there. He's not even the worst governor out there. He didn't even kill, like, half his elderly population, his his elderly constituency. <laughs> oh, God. Let's see what else this article says. Okay. Oh. It says, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks it should be hard to cheat. As if though, uh, yeah, anyways. Okay. Wow, Kemp. Anyways, Raffensperger has tacitly aligned himself with Republicans who questioned voting by mail, even after he mailed ballot applications to every registered voter in Georgia last spring. Oh, he was one of those guys. He was one of those. I should have looked for a Raffensperger picture. He was one of those guys that was like, I'm just going to mail a ballot to every single registered voter in this, you know, here state as if though that were something that were constitutional. Come on, man. Like, seriously. Wow. Okay, so Georgia was hit pretty hard by that felon known as uh, election fraud and election theft. Now, they weren't quite as gang-raped as bad as Arizona was. Now, Arizona was torn up 30 ways until Sunday of next year. But um, that's pretty bad. And then for this man who sought and achieved the approval of one President Donald Trump to betray him, I mean, from what I'm told... It is no fun task to be behind Stacey Abrams at the buffet line. But was he that scared of her overcast eclipsing shadow? I don't know. Look at this face. He looks scared. (laughs) Anyways, okay. Let me go back to the article so we can get done with this guy. (laughs) 
So the, the gist of the article is, even after these guys assisted with the, uh, the, the, the most peaceful election fraud, in fact, in fact, I think Stacey Abrams should, should share a piece of the pie when it comes to this. Um, not only <laughs> after, they, after they've assisted with this peaceful election fraud, they are now calling for a measures to ensure that this fraud doesn't occur again. I guess it's not as backwards as the Democrats and their HR1, which are just trying to legalize the election fraud that they pulled off. This guy is at least trying to say at least election, uh, at least election law moving forward. You can't do what I did to, um, you know, steal the election and and foible the Georgia Senate and and then then thusly bring down the entire Republican-controlled Senate for the United States of America. Thank you very much, Mister. I don't know how to smile. It might hurt a little bit, Brian Kemp, or is that the smell of Stacey Abrams' ass crack? I don't know. Anyways, okay. All right, I think I am done with Mr. Kemp. I can't go on. Uh, basically, these guys are backpaddling, spineless, boneless, moralless, scrupulous jagoffs, and they need to go back from the hole from whence they came. All right, let's see what's next in the news. It's uh, always it's it's always exciting on a Friday night on the Sea Report. Tell your friends. All right, Iowa is next in the news. Okay, so what is boiling down in the great state of Iowa? Well, I'll tell you what. So, you know, you know, one of the biggest themes that we the world nay, the American people, nay, the conservative population experienced in the last four years. Oh, wait, that's a big my bad. That was uh, Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Uh, The one who couldn't get over the lost election. Okay, so, you know, Hillary Clinton, she couldn't get over the lost election, you know, and, and it just nagged at her. So, in proper fashion, there is a Democrat in Iowa that is nagging at her now Democrat-controlled house to flip the vote for her. Now, this one was interesting to me. I mean, it's not really. The only reason why it was interesting to me is because of the name of the candidate. <laughs> yes, we are that shallow here on the Sea Report. But uh, I had read her name a long time ago. And um, I was like, oh, well, this is a fun name. Anyways, so the the name of the individual who currently holds the seat in Iowa is a Republican by the name of Dr. Marionette Miller-Meeks. Behold, Dr. Miller-Meeks. <laughs> Say that name five times fast. Marionette Miller-Meeks. Marionette Miller-Meeks. Marionette Miller-Meeks. Okay. I mean, it has a little ring to it after a while, right? I mean, I've never heard of a lady. I heard the name one time. Not quite the face that I would have put with the name like Marionette Miller-Meeks. Marionette Miller-Meeks. And then not quite, not quite the name that would buy confidence in the voter. You know, Marionette. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't vote for someone named Marionette, would you? I wouldn't. Anyways. But she's a Republican, so she's a, a good guy, it would seem. But but let's get on with the story. So now there's a Democrat who's like, 
I have Hillary Clinton lost campaign uh, syndrome and I want this Democrat controlled house to now flip the seat for me because actually the race between Marionette Miller Meeks and this Democrat crybaby, what is the name of this Democrat crybaby? I don't have a picture of him because I didn't want to give him FaceTime. Uh, The Democrat crybaby's name is Rita Hart. (laughs) So Rita Hart and Marionette Miller Meeks had a very close race. In fact, they say it was one of the closest in the States. Marionette won. Actually, I should give her some dignity. Dr. Marionette (laughs) won by six, count them, six single votes. So here's what this article by Jim Hoft had to say. It said um, that in late November, Republican Dr. Marionette Miller-Meeks won her recount on Iowa's second congressional district by six votes. Republicans won all 27 toss-up seats in 2020 in the House um, elections, uh, thanks to President Trump's historic landslide. Not a single Republican lost re-election in 2020. Nancy Pelosi was predicted to pick up, pick up 5 to 15 congressional seats that year by Fox and other pollsters. But instead, the Republicans flipped more than 14 seats, again, thanks to President uh, Trump's historic landslide on election night. Um, and yet, here you have a Democrat who's hoping to toss up this seat from Representative Dr. Marionette Miller-Meeks. Politico reported that the House is ready to wade into another election integrity fight, this time to decide the legitimacy of one of its own members. With a contested presidential race and impeachment crisis behind it, Congress is turning to a Democrat candidate's claim that Republican Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks was improperly declared winner of their matchup last fall. That candidate, Rita Hart, has formally contested her six-vote loss, one of the closest federal elections in recent history, possibly placing lawmakers in the uncomfortable position of having to determine whether it seated the wrong woman in January. The House Administration Committee gathered virtually Friday afternoon to finalize the process by which it will adjudicate Hart's claim, which was filed under the Federal Contested Elections Act. The committee has been largely silent since Hart first made her contest in December, but the hearing suggests that it is preparing to review the matter further. In question is the outcome of just one district, but Democrats hold only a five-seat majority in the House, making even a small change in numbers significant. So, I guess, best of luck to you, Dr. Marionette Miller-Meeks. May we meet again. (laughs) All right. Gotta love a Friday night on the Sea Report. Okay, Marionette, we're done with you. (laughs) We're done with you. We're done using you, Marionette. Let's see what we got up next. Okay. It looks like we got... Wah, wah, wah. It looks like we got... uh... We got the state of Texas coming back into the sea report today. What is going on, state of Texas? Let's bring her up on the screen. Okay, so, oh, 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 it looks like the White House is shaming the state of Texas. 
because we're reopening. Now, like I said, this is going to be a very interesting time. And the reason why I say that is because you have two out of 50 states opening up and going maskless. Uh, people here are going to freak. Like, I was trying to get a pulse for it today. I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. I want to see what's going to happen. Um, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. It's already it's already interesting. But, you know, that's why you have people saying things like, um, oh, well, are you going to make any recommendations on traveling to Texas or Mississippi? Are you going to stop travel to Texas and Mississippi? You know, what are you going to do? Uh, are you going to stop flights out of Texas and Mississippi? You know, like, I don't know what they're planning to do. It's a shame Mississippi isn't, like, right next door to Texas, though, because then, like, you know, we could, like, you know, like, join forces, like, hand in hand. But, you know, our governor's still going after censorship first, Mississippi. Ha, ha, ha. No, just kidding. I wonder how it's going over in Mississippi, because after all, they've been, they've been maskless for a whole 24 hours already. And uh, I mean, I haven't, I mean, I checked the news before I went on and indeed there was new news and I was like, well, this report's already ready, but damn it. And there was no news about Mississippi. So I think that they're doing okay. But you know what I could imagine happening now? And this, uh, this idea kind of follows along with the story or two that I'm about to share with you guys. Um... With states like Mississippi and Texas going maskless amidst a worldwide pandemic in which many variations are now being discovered, I could totally see them doing some sort of biological warfare on our state or Mississippi. They'll be like, it came from the swamp, the Mississippi swamp, that is COVID-20 in a theater near you. And um, then they're going to say, well, Texas went maskless. Texas said it was okay not to wear a mask during a worldwide pandemic. And so that's why everyone in Texas is dead now from pestilence. I could totally see them doing something like that. I guess we'll have to see what happens. But in the meantime, let's uh, see what this story has to say. Uh, yes. The ever-lovely circle-back girl herself, Jen Saki. Oh. Is this all we got? We don't got the rest of her face. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. It seems like our budget could only afford half of Jen Saki's face tonight. So we got you the most interesting part. Um, <laughs> okay, so White House Press Secretary Jen Saki is shaming decisions by Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves to completely reopen their states this week by eliminating mask mandates and allowing businesses to operate at full capacity. In Europe, there are travel restrictions between European states. The United States is large and has 50 states. Is there any discussion of restrictions for traveling between states when different states have such different ideas about how to fight COVID? And would you encourage or discourage other Americans from traveling to Texas or Mississippi right now? Saki was asked. Uh, to which she said, I'm not aware of any discussions and I'll circle back to it. 
Just kidding. She said, I certainly wouldn't do that from here, but I would just say that we are going to continue to use every method to circle back to it of the bully pulpit at our disposal is conveyed directly to people living across the country, including many in, uh, in many of these states that mask wearing, social distancing, getting access to circling back to it and other vaccines is the path to get back to circling back to it. She responded. Anyways, let's, I can't with this girl. Let's, um, let, let's, let's, uh, let's see a little bit of what Saki had to say. Okay. So there was what they asked her. Oh, it was the question regarding the illegals. So she gets asked about the illegals bringing COVID into, um, America uh, you know, our governor of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, had something to say about illegals coming into the United States of America with COVID. Um, in fact, the next article that I'm about to share with you had something to say about illegals coming into the United States full of COVID. But let's see what Jen Psaki had to say first about illegals coming into the United States of America full of COVID. On Texas, um, Governor Abbott said that the Biden administration must stop supporting COVID in the country um, because he claims that COVID positive migrants are being bused into Texas and then sent to other places in the country. Do you have a response to that? And can you? Um, Testing. Uh, our policy is for COVID-19 testing to be done at the state and local level and with the help of NGOs and local governments. Uh, and that certainly is something that our policy is, is for ha to have that be done, uh, uh, concluded before they are even moved to go stay with family members or uh, others they may know uh, while their cases are being adjudicated. Oh, so she says that, uh, of course, they run them through what? A hospital, a doctor, they get their temperatures checked before they are released to go live with family members or others who they may know while their case is being reviewed. Tell me why you would release people into your country illegally while you review their case. Why would you not send them back? Like, why... Trump had a await in Mexico policy. You want to come to America? Fine. Wait in Mexico at the border. President of Mexico will put you up. Well, actually, I don't know if the president of Mexico would have put them up. But the president of Mexico was working with President Trump in regards to that kind of crap going on in America. That's just ridiculous. Like, that's that's not even common sense. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that is common sense. What's not common sense, what is not common sense is these people being allowed to come into America and then vanishing on, on, on the word that they're going to return for their trial, their hearing. That makes no sense. And if Chewbacca lives on Endor with a bunch of Wookiees. It don't make sense. And if it don't make sense, the illegal aliens got to stay on the other side of the border. Period. 
There, I used the Chewbacca defense too bad, so sad. Let's see what Governor Abbott had to say in regards to illegals coming into America, into Texas with COVID. Go get them, sir. Let's say there is some increase in COVID cases, uh, but more. Of course, we get a commercial first. Okay, so before he goes into his defense or talking about that, he does talk about the measures that his, um, I guess, his mandate or his his uh, rescinding of the executive orders for uh, COVID. Um, he talks about some recourses that have been provided in the legislation. So... I'll let him tell you, but the main idea is that it's not like they didn't think about this. If this was indeed a move that we shouldn't have made as a state, then there's a recourse. They have a plan of action to take to limit the spread, to stop the spread. Um, but at the same time, and I don't have those clips playing tonight... He did, because he gives like a, like a 20, 25 minute speech, he does also lay out all of the reasons why it is okay for Texas to open up now. But he is going to assure the American people that Texas does have a plan. Late COVID hospitalizations, remembering this key fact, and that is many people may contract COVID, but may not suffer any meaningful, severe health consequences. If they do face a severe health consequence, they will go to a hospital. My executive order that goes into effect next, next Wednesday uh, provides a guardrail for regions where they have increased hospitalizations. In Texas, we have 22 hospital regions. And what the executive order says is that if in any of those 22 hospital regions, uh, the hospitalizations of COVID patients rises above 15% of the total bed capacity in that entire hospital region, then county judges in that hospital region have the ability, if they choose to do so, uh, to impose some COVID mitigation restrictions to make sure they are able to slow the spread. So safeguards are built into the executive order that goes into effect next Wednesday. So, uh, my, listen, uh, obviously, it's the kind of language you expect a president not to use. Uh, you expect him to be a little bit above that. But secondly, it showed that he really doesn't know the achievements that we've been able to achieve in Texas with regard to uh, slowing the spread and increased vaccinations. But even worse, he could not have said it on a worse day for him because the same day that he said that, uh, it was revealed uh, that the Biden administration uh, is bringing in illegal immigrants into the state of Texas and then releasing them and many of whom have COVID. And the, uh, so under the Biden administration, he is releasing into the United States people who are COVID positive, who are going across not just Texas, but elsewhere in the country. The president and his, his administration need to step up and stop this program uh, first of promoting illegal immigration, uh, but second, allowing people who are coming to this country to spread COVID across the entire country. That is extremely dangerous. You said it, Mr. Abbott, Mr. Governor. 
All right, and with that said, bum bum bum. We have an article by Jack Phillips, and uh, it talks about uh, these illegal immigrants that uh, Biden has gone ahead and released into Texas. It says 108 illegal immigrants released by Border Patrol in Texas tested positive for COVID-19, officials say. More than 100 illegal immigrants released into Texas since late January by United States Border Patrol agents have tested positive for the CCP virus, which causes COVID-19, officials say. Philip Romero, a spokesperson for Brownsville, Texas, told Fox News that 108 migrants tested positive for the CCP virus since January 25th, when rapid testing began. That represents about 6.3% of the total undocumented migrants who were rapid tested at Brownsville's bus station, the official said. Officials at the Department of Homeland Security, the agency that oversees the Border Patrol, didn't immediately respond to requests by the Epic Times. Romero told Fox that the city doesn't have the authority to halt migrants who test positive for the virus from traveling anywhere else in the United States, although officials have advised them to quarantine and follow federal health guidelines. The city of Brownsville continues to follow all guidelines provided by the CDC and Department of State Health Services for COVID-19. The migrants who test positive at the B Metro facility are advised of quarantine procedures and are asked to socially distance, Romero also told Noticias Telemundo Investigaje. There are several NGOs providing resources to a positive case, he said to the outlet. For example, organizations help with quarantine either in a shelter or at a hotel. Since the city uh, started testing the migrants on January 25th, there has been 6.3% positive cases. The Cameron County positivity rate is 13.8%. Although it might have sounded more like this. El County de Cameron Rato de Positivito está 13.8%. Several illegal immigrants told Noticias Telemundo Investigaje that they tested positive for the CCP virus after taking a rapid test in Brownsville, which is located near the U.S.-Mexico border, which may have sounded something like this. Oh, well, Miriam Isaguirre of Honduras said, Nosotros positivo de COVID. No, just kidding. She said, estoy enfermo. She says, we were tested for COVID and they separated about eight of us because we were positive. We are waiting right now. Um, she said she was waiting to catch a bus to Houston. So watch out, Houston. Killer Miriam Izaguirre of Honduras is on her way to spread COVID in a town near you. Some illegal immigrants who told the network they had tested positive said they are planning to go to New Jersey, Maryland, and North Carolina. All right, folks, watch out. You got some uh, COVID positive illegal aliens heading your way. Perhaps they'll end up in a nursing home near you. Eva Orlena, 29, told the outlet that she's planning to go to North Carolina. On the way, we were wearing a mask all the time. Gel washing our hands, she said. Really, I don't feel anything. None of us did. Representative Henry Quayler, or C.U.L.R., Democrat of Texas, owns a big chunk of property. I mean, no, no, he doesn't own. He represents a big chunk of rural property south of San Antonio and heading east. 
He uh, has been quite tied up in Dirty Money for a long, long time. He's been uh, reigning over Southeast Texas for many years. His congressional district lies partially on the border, told Fox News this week that the surge of... Mi- and it's it's pretty big stretch of land. That the surge of migrants along the border may turn into a full-fledged crisis. It is not a crisis yet, but it will become a crisis. Siular warned. I can never say that name right. The numbers have been increasing, and as your report just said a few minutes ago, the numbers are just increasing every day. The numbers of unaccompanied kids, the number of families who are coming in are just increasing every day. Um, he doesn't sound too, uh, I don't know, effectual to me. Um, in my district, he says, just a couple of days ago, 166 people, and it goes on. He isn't really... I don't know if they transcribed this or something, but his sentences don't make sense. Anyways, and it goes on. And just different numbers are going up. So it's not just a crisis yet, but it's going to get there very soon. It sounds like Mr. Quayler was probably like, I don't know, doing hot rails or something. The Democrat noted that his concern isn't just about the increase in migrants, but also the virus. You add COVID-19 on top of that. You add a lot of the border communities are not getting the vaccines fast enough. The fact they aren't letting Mexican legal visa holders come across, but they're letting undocumented people in, that does cause a concern to me and a lot of my border community leaders down there, he said. Very interesting. Very interesting. But you see, it's only when the cock comes home to roost that politicians really get to step in. And maybe making sure that they don't get hurt in the process. But, um, you know, because you have this Democrat, Henry Quayler, uh, who, like I said, has been in power in Texas for quite some time. And then uh, you had the Democrat mayor of Del Rio. And everyone is saying, Jefe Biden, Jefe Biden, no señor, no señor, no release la gente into the United States of America, por favor. Poor favor. But Biden's like, huh? What? Malarkey. It's not going to help. Anyways. All right, guys. I hope you had a fun time on tonight's Sea Reports. We will be back again on Monday, giving it to you on the daily. Um, and make sure you tune in tomorrow night here live on Twitch as Q&A Holes podcast will be coming to you live for the Saturday night show with Mr. W, Mr. Y, and myself. And as always, make sure you visit Q&A Holes podcast.com. Stop by our Patreon at patreon.com slash Q&A Holes podcast. Send us a little love. And uh, if you enjoy these podcasts and the programs that we do over at Q&A Holes podcast, um, support us so that we can uh, make sure to pump out future content and keep on delivering some of this uh, lighthearted and entertaining news commentary and the likes. Anyways, guys, y'all have a great night and we will see you again next week. Enjoy your evening. Stay safe and be good. We will make America great again. You and a horse. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. You and a horse.